Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Insight on the No Ratings podcast. You're probably wondering, why does Nabade sound a little bit different? Well, it's not Nabade, it's me, Sarkib. You may be familiar with me if you've tuned in here before. Nabade is currently or on the way to, at the time of release, on the way to India for the Cricket World Cup, so I'm filling in for him. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm very jealous, very, very jealous. I'd rather be there right now than in dull grey Watford, but... You know, it is what it is. If he manages to get tickets for Pakistan, India on the 14th of October, um, I'm going to be even more jealous because that is the number one thing on my bucket list to attend a Pakistan and India Cricket World Cup game live in the flesh. But um, enough about me. We are here for another episode of The Insight with two of our tactical geniuses, Raj and Karan. Um, we've just seen two pre-season favourites for the Premier League title go head-to-head in what we all expected to be a cracking game. It it wasn't, let's be truth. It was slightly tepid, but it was an intriguing draw that brought up a few questions. Um, Raj, we'll start with you as always. Theo Walcott, who was on Sky, said Arsenal have just written the book on how to stop Man City. I think that was a bit generous. It wasn't a book on stopping Man City, but from your point of view, is there any chapters? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Arsenal obviously did play very well. I think they were solid, especially on the last line. The defence, really faultless. Gabriel and Saliba didn't make any errors whatsoever, which is what you need against City, especially against Erling Haaland. Did, I was very surprised by Pep's setup, actually. He, I, I don't think we've ever seen him, well, for a while anyway. We haven't seen him use two very wide fullbacks. So Walker and Gvardio were holding the width. And then that meant Foden. And Alvarez were playing really inside. Alvarez were playing as like a second striker of Haaland. Foden was really in that left half space, very narrow. Uh, Rico Lewis pushing in the right half space. So you had three men really in central areas behind Haaland. I think the aim was to try and get at Jorginho, uh, to try and get him in, involved in some kind of 1v1 dribbling situations. Uh, but I think Arsenal defended that very well. They really blocked out those passing lanes into those central three with their uh, defensive structure, sat off in a bit of a mid-block and cut out all the passes to them. And I don't think City's approach worked. Gvardiol did get round the sides a couple of times. Um, but other than that, Foden, pretty good play on the half turn. But other than that, there was not much penetration into the box from City. Haaland's kind of hold-up play was a bit meh. Sometimes it came off, most of the time it didn't. So, yeah, I did think they lacked something pe- penetrating into the box. Uh, especially in transitions. Last year, Arsenal got destroyed by City by KDB in transition. Really just, City were just pulling people to the left and then breaking away with Kevin De Bruyne from the right. Um, But Rico Lewis had that role today and of course, he didn't have the same power and explosion as Kevin De Bruyne. So I thought most of City's chance creation was limited Uh, and Arsenal did well in that. uh, But I think Pep also did shoot himself a bit in the foot. But I think he was happy to take a point um, it's with those uh, um, absences of Rodri and KDB, but then Arsenal got the sucker punch in the end, which I'm sure Curran will talk about. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think the mid block is explained. I think Raj explained mid block mid block very well. Um, I think the the plan was to uh, funnel the ball to Haaland up top and then try and get Alvarez on the break, um, you know, around that and then create chances that way. They tried it. Um, I think we were a bit. I think very nervous that first 10, 15 minutes. And then it got to a point where I think everyone settled down a bit. Then Ray had a couple of nervous moments. Um, and then I, I don't really see them being, I mean, obviously there was that that chance where Rice cleared it off the line. Um, we had a shot on target. I think Eddie had another shot that was just, I don't, he didn't take very well. Um, but in terms of the first half, it seemed like the plan was 
that Harlan and, and Alvarez were going to be this tandem duo from from their side and from our side. We looked to exploit uh, down the right a lot more. Um, our and I was speaking to Raj just before we got on. I think our plan is a lot of wide progression. Try to attack the the fullback areas and try to create two v one situations to to exploit any um, you know any any chances that they, we can get to really get create cutback situations into the box. Um, as opposed to you know go through the central lines, progress through the progress through the lines, and get into the into the the the, ho the holy zone fourteen as it's what called to, to create chances that way. So what we tried to do is funnel it down the right a lot. Jesus, uh, Odegaard, and White trying to combine a lot, and um, yeah, that was the story of the first half. And the second half, uh, Marcelli coming on was massive. I think that changes the game completely. Um, what we did very well is we were able to move the ball out of our own half a lot of the first half was played in our half the second half we managed to get the ball up the pitch a, bit, a lot more and then we kind of there was a kind of a stalemate where um they were trying to dribble at us we were trying to dribble at them they were trying to dribble us and it was going back and forth and it was as raj mentioned the defenses were so secure that no one was able to really get the ball through the lines because there was a lot of ball carrying, not a lot of passing through the lines. Like, and then especially when Nunez came on, he was trying it a lot. And what what I think changed the game was when Pep bought on Doku. That was, I think, an indication that the game was going to change where he was going to try and exploit the 1v1 matchup against Zinchenko. And Arteta learned from Anfield. He learned from what happened against uh, Trent. He bought off Zinchenko immediately, bought on Tomiyasu. And I think that won the game, personally, because... The ability that Doku has 1v1, uh, he did well the first couple of duels, but at 85th, 86th minute, Doku's trying to get a bit of a bit of pace. You don't know what's going to happen, but at the right time, he bought him off. He also bought Havertz on at the same time. That provided a central like focus point for Arsenal to really adapt their attacks towards. Instead of going wide and not really crossing back to anyone, it gives you a bit more of a central focus point. And that's what ended up being the goal. Tomiyasu uh, cushioned head into Havertz. Havertz had a lovely little uh, touch to Marcelli. Lucky, lucky uh, on the shot. But you've got to take those shots. And if you take the shots and you make them, then that's how you win games. So, um, yeah, I I'm, I'm buzzing. Obviously, 2015, last time we won. Um, the guy sitting in the studio today talking about a uh, uh, writing the book is the one who scored in that game. Um, but I, I don't think that we wrote the book. I think... We've seen teams in the past look at, look at Wolves last week. The ability to they used in the transition to uh, exploit the the weaknesses that they had, and forget this. And we forget this is without Rodri. This is without KDB. This wasn't a full Man City. I mean, to be fair, we didn't have Saka, uh, Marcinelli, bit half fit. Um, uh, the same thing with Partey, not really fully fit. Like they're just coming back into the squad. So it's you can say it's one of the one of each, and, and you know cancel out a bit, but. To, to say that you've wrote the book on how to break down Man City without Rodri and KDB is a bit farcical to me. Even though I would love to claim that, I would love to claim it myself, but uh, I can't really, I can't really sit here with any form of shame and say that. What I will say is, um, people will say that last goal was lucky, but the thing is, you don't, you make that look by getting entries into the box, and that's what Arsenal weren't getting prior to that triple substitution. Mm. So going direct into Havertz, it actually created a near penalty shot as well, where Ake just about nicked the ball. I think it was off Martinelli. And that was again from yeah. Havertz chesting it down from a long ball. Uh, and then you added Tommy Asu to the mix as another direct threat. 
And Man City didn't know how to cope with that. And we've seen that in the past, actually, against Real Madrid, where Real Madrid assaulted them with aerial balls over the top and they yeah. got shocked by it. And it felt like Arteta went to that a bit in the end. So pretty good substitutions there. Um, and what I will say about Arsenal as well, I think their defence has gone up another level with Declan Rice added to the mix. There were a few occasions where Lewis and Alvarez were trying to escape away. And Alvarez, just, I mean, sorry, Rice, just sticks out one of those long legs and recovers the ball. Um, and... That that I think him and Saliba is both in there instead of Saliba being injured last season. That's a big yeah. difference to the defensive structure, and mm. City couldn't get through it. There was one cha- challenge where uh, Haaland was through, and Rice literally wrapped his leg around Haaland and took the ball away. I I I, I don't know what to say about this kid. I've been not, I've been wanting about the club for I think since twenty twenty one. Um, this is a guy that I've wanted the club for a long, long time, and seeing him putting on the shirt and seeing him. Um, do what he does, win duels, win, uh, make sure you're defensively solid, um, not allow easy moments in the final third. That's what you want. Because in these big games, it's never going to be a 3, 4, 5, 6 nil unless one team is really going through it. Um, like we're not we're not talking about Arsenal versus Man United or Liverpool versus Man United here. This isn't 7 nil going on. This is going to be a 1-0, one 1-2-0, one, uh, one, one type affair. And when you have those uh, when you have those type of players that are able to shut down um, entries into the into the final third, entries into zone fourteen, entries into the box, you then you can't really say that um, you're going to have a lot of chances given away to the opposition because they have. I think Harlan had zero xG today, like in total. It's funny I mean, that's you crazy. mention him now because to me, I was with my my untrained eye. I thought that Alvarez was actually the brighter of the two. Um, and I was surprised to see him taken off at that juncture. I think it was about sixty minutes, and I thought that felt. I, I was I was surprised. Do you think there's any argument for Erling Haaland ever coming off when it's nil nil? Or but generally, do you see a tactical setup that could have worked? That could have maybe done things a little bit differently. With Alvarez stayed on with Doku and Foden, and maybe problem, anything different. The problem is, well, now City's composition of the squad is they don't really have those kind of inside forward types like a Raheem Sterling. So, you know, Alvarez will always come towards the ball. Then you need to want to kind of compensate mm. and penetrate that space in behind. They've got these wide wingers, Doku and Grealish. Uh, they've got Bernardo who can play on the wing. Uh, but they don't have that Sterling type anymore to penetrate space. Or Jesus, in fact, who does that well for Arsenal. Yeah. Um, so that's probably why Haaland always stays on. He's the only man who will stretch that defence on the last line. Um, but yeah, uh, I think Haaland, he didn't, this is one thing I think he needs to evolve in his game. When you get touch tight to Erling Haaland, you can stop him. We've seen it. Craig Dawson even did it for Wolves last week. He was just in a hit at his heels, snapping at him. And the man who showed to do that, uh, how to do that last season was Rudiger in the first day against Real Madrid. Yeah. He was on him. He's, everyone saw those pictures of Rudiger like grabbing hold of Haaland. I think that's how you defend him. Saliba did that well today. Gabriel did that well. And he needs to evolve that play on the half turn and on uh, and with his hold up play. It needs to become more refined because I think he is getting shut down a bit in, in games we've seen this season. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, the main thing for me in terms of Haaland today is Haaland today, I think his role was mainly to be the creator for an Alvarez. I think that was what he what Pep tried to task him with today. And if he could get a shot off in the six-yard box of a of a rebound or something, then great. But his role today would be, I would say, um like an old school Alan Shearer. Just if he's getting get the ball in the air, try and get the knockdown. If he's gonna run and turn into space and find a goal somewhere, yeah. But he's also there to link up. He's also there to just try and get the ball down to say a Michael Owen or something like that. 
Um, so that is that was kind of a, a different type of role for him today, as opposed to an out and out, you know, nine, get him in the box, make sure he gets the gets the service, get him the goals, because they didn't have the ability just to um, you know, really uh, get him into the box and have the wide threat to get the ball through to him because Walker wasn't really going down into that onto that side enough. Like he wasn't penetrating down uh, on Zinchenko's side. He was a bit more reserved in that in that final third today. So, and the same thing on the on the left. Guardiola tried to, as Raj mentioned a couple of times, stay wide, get get down the side, but he was being occupied by Jesus. He was being occupied by by White when he, when he when he tried to do that. So. Um, the game for me was one um, in the wide areas. I think that was the main thing for me. I think the wide progression from Arsenal showed um, that was their outlet in the first half to get the ball up the pitch. In the second, in the second half, it was how they built up pressure. There was there were times where I don't know if you noticed, Raj. There were times where um, Rice would would peel off to the right and they would kind of pr- try to do this this kind of rondo on the right side to try and build up pressure, suck the suck the city side into into the uh, right side of the pitch, and then try to switch out to the left where Marcinelli was or um, where Havertz was eventually in the second half as well. So um, that really was the gameplay. I think there is a way to this Arsenal team to still evolve. I still maintain that. A, a big center forward to really be able to get that central that central uh, you know that central point where you can get the ball up the pitch and then in transition have that t- a forward turn and hit a, a Marcinelli or hit a Saka and have them run run through the channels. I still think that sounds something. like you're asking for Ivan Tony in January. I'm asking like for I'm, no no no. I, do you want me to re- be real? I'm not asking for Ivan. I'm asking for Victor yeah. Osimhen. That's who I'm actually asking oh, for. Good. So, um, but if it's a case where we're looking for a, a reference point, Ivan Tony in January is great. I still think that he would be a great, you know, someone you could uh, work with, and he could still perform very well for us. But when Osimhen is available. You pay that extra money in the summer. I don't really see the point when you have Havertz and at the point at this time point in time when he can be that sort of reference point through the rest of the season, and then have him and Havertz play together from next season onwards. I think that's that should be how we move forward. But that's just me. So for your for your this is obviously hypothetically speaking for your dream mm-hmm. first eleven first tactical plan the the master plan for Arsenal that involves yeah. Oshman up front. Does it involve Saka Martelli on either side? So yeah, like, so, so it's basically a, a 4 4 2 type situation where you have... Um, so whoever's the goalkeeper... I, I've done, I'm not discussing goalkeepers anymore. I've had enough of having to... It, it will begin with R. How about that? Same as Mikel does. does. It will begin with an R, Ray or a Ramsdale. Um, White, Saliba, um, uh, Magalhaes, and then... Uh, Whoever the left back is, I think I would think it's going to be Kivio eventually. I, I do think Zinchenko is a great option, but I do think Kivio will be there eventually. Um, Rise Partey, and then uh, right side Saka, left side Marcelli, and then Havertz and Osterman up front. So, um, so you drop sort of like Odegaard. Odegaard is someone that can come in as well. It depends on the on the setup, the, the setup lineup. But if you're talking about my first eleven, like the first eleven. I think that in a big Champions League away game, you need the dual winning. But in a in a, in a different type of game, you can play four two three one and then or four uh, or a four three three with with Rice, Odegaard, and, and Havertz or uh, Party Odegaard. Because the thing is, when you say first tactical eleven, 
you've got to remember there's different situations. Like today, mm. it would have been a game for you need more dual winning. In a game like Bournemouth away or a Sheffield United away, you may need that extra added firepower and you need Erdegaard, you need an Erdegaard to break through the lines. But I, I am someone that's a big, massive fan of Marcin Erdegaard. I do think there is going to be a time when we need to see what his situation is going to be. Because we, if we're going to get another striker, we're going to have to play a two-striker formation. Is he going to be a second striker? Is he going to be uh, a creative midfielder? I mean, I feel that there's a bit, a lot of redundancy having him, Zinchenko, and um, on the same pitch at the same time. They both want to do this, a similar thing in that second phase. So, um, yeah, I mean, you could see an 11 where you have three at the back and three player three a uh, three four three with Rice and um, Partey in the pivot and Odegaard and Havertz in the pivot up, up uh, further up the pitch. So it's interesting. I think of also we we talked on the last insight about how Odegaard um, should really be on the left side and um, Havertz should be on the right side. I think that would be an interesting experiment. There's a lot of different ways to, to function it, and I don't want it to come across that I'm sort of like, oh, screw Marcel Erdogan, because <laughs> he's our captain and he's a very good player. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel like this has kind of gone off a bit of a, on a tangent, but but uh, yeah, for this game in specific, I do think that that central area in front of the centre-backs was something we could have exploited more. To be honest, I think the game plan was fair enough. I think he set up for a point. He managed. He was in the, in the second half. He got to a stage where he was retaining possession very well. I did just pick up an interesting stat line, and I think Doku lost the ball nine times in the 10, 15 minutes he was on the pitch. Yeah, and that is probably why he goes for the much maligned Jack Grealish on the left wing in these big games because he knows he will actually buy him free kicks, keep the ball and not have those constant turnovers. So I think that is going to be something weighing in the back of Pep's mind after this. In regards to the setup, I thought Bernardo did well as the first phase, kind of six sitting there. As yeah, he really did. He, just, he retained the ball. He really was um, flustered by pressure that Arsenal applying to him. So I don't think there was much more he could have done. I think he came for the point. He almost got the point. But I think that docu thing there will be sitting in the back of his mind. Why did I change it from my normal big game setup? I, I've only brought him on for 10 minutes, but did I need to take that risk? We had a point in our pocket and we lost it. Um, just another thing on on the number nine thing at Arsenal. I think this could be a turning point for Kai Havertz. I think he that impact that he made coming on as a direct outlet, I think we'll see him start as a number nine now instead of that left-sided midfield role. I think he's a better outlet holding up than Nketiah. Nketiah offers more in behind, but Kai Havertz, I think, still offers a lot in behind. And I think yeah. uh, his movement in the box is very underrated. That is one of his best traits. We all know his finishing needs work, but he does get on the end of stuff. Even in the Community Shield against City, he had two big chances, and that came from his movement. Um, and we've seen him cause Ruben Diaz problems in the past. Champions League final against Chelsea. Um, Euros, Germany versus Portugal. He had Diaz all over the place. So he can trouble some of the best centre-backs out there. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd like to see how it starts as a nine in the next few games instead of Enketia. Um, Jesus potentially feeling on the wings as a rotation player. Um, so yeah, I, I, this hopefully could be a turning point for Havertz. Yeah, and the other thing is, is um, what Kai offers you is... Secure a bit more technical security in front of centre backs. I think Inketia, obviously, as as Rod mentioned, is as a central outlet, like running in behind, providing that sort of that release valve, as it were. I think he's great. Uh, I think today he was more tasked with providing the the left side outlet. Um, tried to uh, run past Kyle Walker and get in behind that side, but as a central, I mean, I always if I if someone mentions Eddie Inketia, I I always point them back to the uh, the West Ham away game 
in the 2122 season where he famously had a spat with Declan Rice in the middle of it, but was great as an outlet, ran the socks off the channels, was was occupying uh, the centre-backs very well, really providing that sort of um, up-and-down running power that you need in the in um, tough away games, especially in a run into to, to a top-four battle. But what I think Kai offers you is the ability to play in front of a centre-back and bring in those around him, rather than being that sort of turn and run into space and I think he provides and he provided that today for the assist perfectly I think it's a perfect example where he, he holds he holds the defender back um you know receives the the header provides the assist and you know the winner gets scored but um yeah I think I, the other thing I think you what a Pep's plan um I, I I don't know about you Raj but I've personally thought Ruben Diaz did not have a very good game mm-hmm. um I think that he was uncharacteristically um, a bit tepid on the ball. I think he looked a bit off it. Um, I wanted to know what you guys thought because I didn't think he had a very good game personally. Yeah, his uh, passing range was particularly or, or, or not yeah. very good. I think but because Rodri's been out and then Kevin De Bruyne's out, they ha- missed that kind of long passing outlet. And there's more, more emphasis on the defence to do that. Instead, Bernardo's not one of those who's going to fire balls over the top or switch to play. So Diaz had a few opportunities to do it and they were quite kind of miscued passes. So that's maybe one thing that City lacked today, that kind of range passer. Uh, Gvardiol can do it, but he's stuck out on the left. He's not going to have the, the kind of areas where he, he'll be able to do it. So that actually, that could be one thing that I might have liked to have seen today. Gvardiol switched to the left side of centre-back and then Ake playing at left-back instead. Mm. Because Gvardiol mm. could have provided that more central passing outlet rather than what we saw with Diaz today. Yeah, and the other thing, um, and the thing is, right, people are going to assume this is being extra cynical, but I don't really care. Um, There's, I think Rodri has the ability to slow the game down in key moments. His ability just to know when and where to, you know, create a foul or get win the ball back in a specific area or um really slow the game down when it needs to be slowed down when you're when you're in a situation where it's 10 15 minutes left and you're you're searching for a point or maybe you're looking for three points his ability to do that they really missed today because bernardo and cova both got early red uh, yellow cards red cards yellow cards um cova maybe should have got a red card but that we're not going to have to um ask for a replay or anything like that it's not a uh, it's not the the podcast for that um but uh look i think that it was that key ability he has to understand when or when and where to break up play i think they missed that a lot today um because there were times in that second half where i feel like if they were able just to keep us in our own box they could have had themselves gone for a winner um where we kind of just were able just to pu- push the game up the pitch a lot um as opposed to uh having them you know really just between uh Go pass it around, pass it around, pass it around, pass it around, and find find the goal. So that was oh. a different tack to it. Having seen your tweet, Raj, on saying you believe De Bruyne, was, you believe Rodri was missed more than De Bruyne today. I believe you put it, didn't you? No, Kevin was missed. I know. I put Kevin. I thought Rodri missed more than Rodri. So Rico Lewis is playing that kind of high right sided midfield role today. He had a few opportunities to burst away from his man, but he just didn't have that kind of leg power to get away from a Declan Rice, uh, even a Jorginho sometimes. So that was, uh, that's why I felt City were definitely missing a threat in that right-hand side, playing those passes in behind for Haaland. Because I thought Bernardo did all right, as I said earlier. I don't think you couldn't complain at his performance filling in for Rodri as the six. So yeah, yeah, definitely I'd have De Bruyne in there. 
uh, and you'd have, you'd have a different threat completely. So that's why I think Pepe, in the end, just settled for the point. I mean, this is the main thing I th- where I think we won the game because I think the drop-off between Saka and Jesus was nowhere near the drop-off from KDB to, to Rico Lewis. I think that's kind of how we won that game uh, because if you think about it, uh, Rico Lewis, for example, the the one where he had the disall- the goal that was disallowed or wasn't able to go to completion immediately, he did handball it, but um, that kind of burst, you know, it get into getting into the space and bursting into the box. I think Kevin would have done that at a, a very high level, and plus he hates us, so um, there's there's that to to contend with as well. So um, yeah, Kevin is a massive miss for them. And the minute I saw that he was he was injured, I literally went that October game we have to win it. That's how that's how much he plays in Arsenal fans' mind. That literally is how big an impact he has on us. Like he he went down in August, I believe, and literally the first thought was, is he going to miss the Arsenal game? And he was so. <laughs> there was a, was a massive, massive yeah. uh, and uh, sigh of relief thought, in that. Point. And your second thought was probably get Rob holding out the door as well immediately. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. But that was the that was the thought in April. That was a thought in January. That was a thought in last uh, August. So uh, that's been a, that's been a, a, a theme for the last I don't know two or three years now. So I do yeah. think Arsenal um, fans got got memed for saying Rob Holding cost them the title. Although I don't think that's the complete truth, but I do think a large element of it was holding being there instead of Saliba. You saw today, Saliba marshaled everything in that back line. He mopped up yeah. all those balls mm. around Harlan. Uh, I think that drop off was huge. I don't. I do think that I'd say I put sixty percent of the blame for Arsenal's title collapse coming last season due to being having holding there instead of Saliba. Holding can't follow men out into midfield like Saliba. Holding can't hold a, a, a high line and tell people no. where they should be going at a certain moment. Uh, holding our, is... our defensive line dropped like fifteen yards from yeah. between Saliba and Holding. And the other thing is, and sorry, sorry to cut you off, Roger. Um, the, la- the last thing I would I would say is um, there's no one reason in football. I think a lot of things played a part of it. And I think Saliba's a massive... If you're going to do a pie chart, Saliba's absence is probably 70% of it. But there was also the inexperience. There was also the inability to break down blocks and keep leads. Um, that Southampton come back. Why are we in that position in the first place? La, 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 la. I mean, we could go on, a, on for another hour about that. But the point is, is that the drop-off from Saliba uh, and Gabriel to another, to whoever, wherever it is, can't be that massive. You see in City, it's um, they've got Ake, they've got uh, Gavardiol, they've got uh, they've got Stones, Diaz. Uh, I'm sure they have more uh, and Kanji. Like they have a lot of defenders that there's no drop off. And the thing is, right, um, attacks can win games, but defenses win championships. That's how this works. You can't concede. Look at Chelsea 0405. Look at um, Look at any of the major. Look at look at how Man United won titles behind Rio and Vidic, behind crazy centre backs through the years. Uh, you can't really say that you have to have defenses that win championships. And I think today you saw a, a two defensive that is are willing to compete at the top level. Raj, any final thoughts, mate? Um, yeah, I think overall, I think we shouldn't be too harsh on either team there. It was a, a kind of tepid game, as you described earlier in the podcast, Saka, but you have to think Saka, Martinelli missing for the first half, uh, Saka missing for the whole match, and then City not having those two big players in Rodri and KDB. It led to a kind of tactical affair where City just wanted to get the point 
And that was difficult for Arsenal to contend with as a, as a game plan. But then they found a solution with a direct outlet over the top. And you have to praise Arteta for making that tactical change. And it could be a crucial change in the context of the title race. Well, there we have it. The final word. The title race is officially on. Raj, Karan, thank you as always. To the listeners, thank you to you guys too. Please keep remembering, you know, like, share, comment, subscribe, whatever you can do. All of those interactions really help, you know, I'm trying to quit my day job and make this more full-time job. So, you know. Anyway, Nabade will hopefully be back with you guys soon when he's done living his Bollywood hero dreams <laughs> in Surah House, Mumbai, you know, having dinner with the likes of Amita Bachchan and Shadow Hart. And, you know, when he's back around to pop with me hosting again. But all jokes aside, really, really appreciate all the love and support. And uh, it's another episode of The Insight done. Thank you very much, guys. Take care. See you soon.